Welcome to Breaking the Barrier, a podcast focused on Western trailblazers who are breaking barriers both in and out of the arena. Today, I am thrilled to be joined by Walker Clampett of WCC Western Designs. As a self-proclaimed Western jewelry enthusiast, I am stoked for this conversation. Thanks so much for being with us, Walker. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited about this. So I followed you on social media for quite some time and have thoroughly enjoyed seeing your creations and your take on Western jewelry. For those who are unfamiliar, give us some background on what you do and your business. So like you said, my business is WCC Western Designs. I am known for setting beadwork and sterling silver. That's just kind of, you know, it's hard to, sometimes people don't really understand what I do unless they see a picture of it, actually. But essentially what it is, is I hand bead on a loom or stitching together and then I take it and I set it in sterling silver making designs and everything like that so that's essentially kind of the basis of it I do incorporate turquoise into it and other types of stones that you see in a lot of western and southwestern jewelry just because they can help give my pieces that already have a unique style to them a different texture or a different um, look and allows me to kind of have a broad range of different styles and designs and make everything that I do truly one of a kind and unique. This sort of craftsmanship is definitely not something you can learn overnight. How did you get started making jewelry? It's, it's a weird story on how I stumbled into this, really. I'm not, I don't consider myself an artist. I never really had, even though I do this. And I tell everybody, I said, I almost sell kindergarten because I couldn't draw a stick figure. Like, they wanted to hold me back. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, like, I, I can't draw to save my life. You know, I this so. is something I, I'm very surprised because I am definitely not an artist myself, but I still don't think I could pull off the things that you do. I surprise myself every day with what I do and how I've done it and how I've gotten to the level that I've got. Because it's just something that I never expected. I was never artistic in school. Um, and art never really, like, struck a fancy with me, in a way. Or, a, like, oh, I must try this. You know, I did it for the prereqs in school. And, you know, that was it. Didn't really take it any further. I was in college. I went and I had full ride track scholarship. And I got hurt had used all my medical red shirts up. So I decided to come home. And we live on a small little ranch out here in southern Oklahoma. And so I decided, I was like, you know, I want to come home, go to school, ride, do all that. I don't know why, but I went to Walmart one day. And Walmart sells little kits to do beadwork. And I bought one of those. And just started kind of messing around with it. And... It just kind of went really natural, and I was picking things up really quick. We have a local bead store here, so I was starting to get, like, better quality beads and being around a lot of people that did bead work. So I was getting more um, involved with it and was able to kind of see more of the process because I'd never been around a design, jewelry design process at all in my entire life. I'm about an hour north of Wichita Falls. Well, MSU has a jewelry design program. And I was actually going to school for nursing. And I decided that I wanted to try to do the jewelry and just see what it does. You know, I'm like, I'm young. Let's try it now and just see. 
And anyways, I actually missed the deadline to go. So, but I had some friends who lived in Altus that had a jewelry company. And they needed help for the Houston Rodeo. I had never really done a show, but I had been helping them put together jewelry. And I said, okay, I'll go with you. Well, they set, um, like they take pieces of china dishes and set it in sterling silver. So I started working for them full time. And I'm still doing the beadwork on the side, but I'm working more focused on that because that's actually bringing in the money at the moment. And one day it just kind of clicked. And I'm like, why am I not setting my stuff in silver? Like, why am I not doing this? I, and I started looking around. I really didn't find anybody that did it. So I started making pieces and practicing and putting it together and see how it looked. And I liked the look of it. It added a different element to my work. And so that's how I got started into setting it in the silver. And it just went from there. And I got to learn the design process from them with the silver. So I took it and I essentially, when I like figured out what was going on, I took it and I just ran. You know, I just ran with it because I really wasn't seeing anybody doing the style and the designs that I was doing. So I just went and I just hit it hard and heavy trying to see what I can do and how I can make it work. And that's essentially how I got into this business. So from that point, what prompted you to take this, you know, you like the look, you like the pieces you were creating, but what gave you that extra push to turn this into a full-blown business venture? I think the idea of having the freedom to do what I wanted and being my own boss and kind of being in control of what it is that I did for myself is really how I kind of got into putting it as a business, actually. I do have a business, and I do want to make money, but I don't want it to be something where I'm, like, trying to make a million dollars a year. You know, I don't want to be, like, super, super rich off of this deal. I just want it to be where I can make enough money to support my family. And if something major comes up, we can take care of it, no issue. I think part of it, too, is the creative side of it. You know, I come into the studio every day and make something new and different. When I was working for another company, I was having to do the same thing every day over and over and over and over. And now I can just come in and if I want to make a pair of earrings today, I can design the coolest pair of earrings that I might have made today or a pendant or a ring or a bracelet, you know. Like I said, it's just kind of something that I stumbled into really. That's awesome. So you kind of alluded to the entrepreneurial appeal of starting your own business. What was the biggest learning curve you faced trying to get it off the ground? How much money is involved with actually starting a business? <laughs> I think that's what a lot of, and I've, I'm very much like for small business and especially the younger people like me. I'm, I'm 25. So the people that are young are just now starting out. I really like to help them or try to help them with this because I've you know, I've been in business for four years, and I've by traveling with the other company and all this, I've seen a lot of stuff, and I've learned a lot. You're going to be spending a lot of money right off the bat to start making money because you've got to get, you know, you've got to get the supplies. You've got to get the, um, the materials, you know, all that, and that costs, you know, sometimes you can find some stuff for cheap that's really good, 
But once you start getting up there and start wanting to produce better quality work, you've got to put the money into buying that better, like that better torch or the better grinder or the buffer or anything like that. You know, buying better quality stones, you're just going to be making the money and putting it right back in. That's the whole deal of this game when you start out. So I think it's safe to say at first glance, your pieces are undeniably Western or Western oriented. What does Western mean to you or how would you define Western? Oh, goodness. Like when I think of Western, it's Cowboys, Indians, kind of the old West, kind of rodeo. You know, my back, my main background is in rodeo and um, stock contractors. My dad was a stock contractor for a long time. My cousin was a stock contractor is a stock contractor. Mom and dad both rodeo. Dad worked for cutters and all that. So Western to me is more kind of like cowboys, Indians, you know, the rodeo side of it. If you were thinking like fashion, like to me, a fashion is a nice pair of jeans, boots, cowboy hat, and, you know, a nice button-down shirt and maybe a nice like suit jacket or a really cool, you know, kind of a blazer-style jacket. You know, everybody kind of has a different take on the word Western and how it fits, and I think it just kind of depends on what you do or where you're kind of oriented into this industry. That's kind of how I take it. So you talked about traveling to shows to market and sell your pieces, but at least how I got familiar with your business was through social media, specifically Twitter, um, what have been your broad takeaways from marketing yourself online, and do you have any advice for others who may be wanting to take their business to that space? To me, online is tricky. Me, personally, I'm not a big, like, I don't understand technology to <laughs> an extent, know how it works and all that. But when it comes to, like, you're having to work with, like, the algorithms of Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter and all that kind of stuff, you know, that stuff that changes constantly and Having to figure out how to understand it is kind of difficult. Um, I have been blessed uh, with people that have been put in my path that do understand this and do social media for a living or um, kind of a side job. And one thing that I will tell people is when they get and are wanting to really hit social media is hard, do not be afraid to reach out to like the social media influencers. Um, because they do have a big impact and they, if they have a big following, that's a wide variety of people to see your product, you know, and it, I think it depends too on what you're selling and what kind of age group you're marketing to. Like for me on Twitter, I don't sell my expensive stuff there because it's a younger generation, um, and a younger crowd. So they can't afford, you know, some of them can't, but the majority of them can't afford the $1,000 pieces. They can afford, you know, the $100 pieces. Whereas on, like, Facebook and, and Instagram, you'll get the people that are older and have that, you know, extra income coming in where they can't afford those big high-end pieces. Um, Figure out what age group you're going to market to first when you're starting out. Um, and that's where you need to hit that type of social media hard and heavy because that's what's going to be bringing in your money. 
I've never done it on Twitter, but I think you can advertise there. But like on Facebook and Instagram, you can advertise. You know, they have it to where you can promote a post or promote a piece. And you can do that for, I think I'll do it for like $20 and run it for like seven days. And it can reach several thousand people. And you can set like whatever areas you want to set into. So like before shows, like say I'm going to Fort Worth for a show. I'll promote and I'll set it to Fort Worth. That way people around that area will see my product. And then they'll they'll see the post and they'll be like, oh, he's going to be in Fort Worth. This, this interests me. I can go see. Another thing is taking good pictures. That's kind of the big deal also. Good, clear pictures. And you, it takes time sometimes. Sometimes you blow up overnight. Sometimes it takes a while. You just got to plug away at it. So. For sure. So where would you say you find your inspiration or what keeps you fired up to keep doing what you're doing? I think what kind of keeps me fired up on this is just to be better than I was the day before. I want to do better than this last piece that I did that I thought was incredible. So I want to make something that will just knock it out of the water. Um, Inspiration-wise, you know, I look at a lot of stuff around nature. And for, like, my colors, I play with a lot of colors you'll see in nature. You know, I tend to stay away from the really bright, like, lime greens and hot pinks and stuff like that. Because, to me, nature is beautiful. And nature has amazing colors that can be played with and put together and to make something incredible. Some of the designs that I do, like if I put animals in there or something like that, you know, I did one two years ago that was a horse sitting on a piece of turquoise and the color of it matched the horse that I have now. So little things like that I'll take into consideration and to play with it and play with like the colors that maybe we have in our animals or something like that if I'm doing an animal pattern. So in the Western world, you can find lots of faux turquoise and replications of different quality standards, but I think your pieces could really be family heirlooms. So speak a little bit to the value there is in investing in high-quality pieces. So this is kind of what I tell everybody when they're getting ready to buy, like, their first real piece, you know. I, you know, I am a proponent of buying real stuff, real stones, real sterling, you know, all that kind of stuff, um, handmade. And I do get that a lot of people sometimes can't afford it or um, you just have people that just go after the look of stuff. Uh, And there's nothing wrong with that at all. You know, I, you know, I totally understand that. When you get into buying your first pieces, actually do your homework on who you're buying from, what you're going to buy. To see if it's something that is actually worth buying or if you need to save up and wait and buy another piece. I make all my stuff to be heirloom quality because I want it to last forever. And yes, I the beads that I use are glass. You know, that's the kind of the only downfall about some of it is, is it may get chipped or damaged. But it's something that I can, you know, can be fixed and replaced. And I think that's something about an heirloom quality piece. It has the ability to withstand time, but also withstand, you know, being repaired or fixed. You know, when it comes to buying turquoise and silver and stuff like that, you know, I tell everybody, I said, buy native 
you know, I'm a proponent of buying native jewelry. Um, you know, I love Native American jewelry. I said, always buy something that's native because, you know, you will, you'll love it and it'll be something that you can cherish forever. But don't be afraid to buy from other small makers. But do kind of do your homework on stuff because I think there's a lot of people out there that sell and try to make it seem like they're selling really quality stuff. But when you kind of get to looking at it and examining it, it's something that, you know, won't really withstand the test of time or, you know, in three months you're going to be tired of it. Buy those pieces that you're going to wear, you know, you might wear daily or you might be wearing, you know, in 50 years. You know, because you always see people where they get their mothers or their grandmothers squashes. Well, you know, some of those might be 80, 80 years old and they're still wearing them because it's that quality piece that when you walk into the room, people look at it and they're like, wow, that's incredible. Um, just look for, look for pieces that are going to just wow you every time you put them on. Definitely. So we've talked a lot about your pieces, but the true beauty has to be seen. So if someone's interested in contacting you or seeing your work, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, social media are pro- are the, honestly the best way to get a hold of me. So like Facebook and Instagram, my Facebook is WCC Western Designs, and my Instagram is WCC Western Designs. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Walker. Once again, that was Walker Clampett of WCC Western Designs. As a reminder, this podcast is produced by the Rural Radio Network, and new episodes are available every other Tuesday. You're listening to the Breaking the Barrier podcast.